audio. Hey, everybody. <laughs> it's Whiskey uh, at Work. That's why we keep you around. It's Jason. Mark and Rob and Dan Bruner's finally back with us. You know, hello, you're, hello. Throw, you're throwing out these insults. And how many of these bottles sitting on this thing right now did you bring in? None of the Dan, bottles. Okay. I didn't Just bring so in any clear. of these. That's probably but his water bottle. It is, yeah, he's <laughs> no, got it straight a, out of the tap. That's an NPR one. I'm going to set that down over here. Nobody needs to look at that. Um, no, I didn't bring any of these in, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, well, I was, you should be nicer to the other well, people what in the happens room. is, as we all know this, I find these, and I tell you about them, and then you order them. That's just that's our that's, that, that's our connection here. That's our relationship. I do all of the other stuff. Right, yeah. They go on pay, your credit card, so when the monthly statement comes in. These both came out of my card. No wonder the they taste so card. good, huh, Dan? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> They're delicious when you don't have to pay for them. And Rob, to be fair, if it, he brought the bottle in, it'd be flavored, and then we'd have to right, drink it. Yeah. So this is probably for the best. <laughs> you know, You'd Dan. You'd be glad you're in here this week and not next week. It's, it was funny a while back. Uh, Rob and I were talking about the text messages, how different they are uh, from you specifically. <laughs> Rob will get these text messages of, hey, I've got this Jack whatever. I've got this Jack whatever, right? Um, you know, if you want to come grab a bottle, grab a bottle. I get the ones of Houston. Here's candy corn whiskey. <laughs> Houston, here's here's Eggo brunch in a jar. But the thing is. I love it. <laughs> and like, I, I can kind of know your now. audience. It's like, yeah, hey, exactly. Hey, Mark, want to piss Rob off? Here, yeah. I, have I have think this. I have think Dan that that's what's going through your head just a little bit, isn't it? <laughs> just a little when you said this to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Um, well, we haven't had you on in a while, Dan. So, I mean, what's been what's been new and exciting for you? Have you just been crazy busy with summertime? I suppose. Yeah, right? summer just keeps me running between the two stores and chase my kid playing baseball and all of that fun stuff. Right. Uh, of course, Dan is uh, the owner operator of uh, Timmins market, one in the Valley and one out in box elder. And uh, are, are, is, are they combining in now? Getting there. We can, we can say it that it's legal. Sure. Yes, wait, no one's coming <laughs> after us. Let's hope not. <laughs> uh, I want well, another legal injunction at the right hour. It's uh yeah, we're glad to have you back, Dan. Um, and we, uh, we, a while ago, Rob, well, talking about bottles that Rob has tracked down. I don't remember how we, we, we came around to the company distilling and their new products that were coming out. Of course, company distilling is run by the former master distiller of Jack Daniels, uh, who is, uh, Jeff Arnett. And he has a new kind of couple new expressions that he's come out with. Correct. Three wood. How did we, how did we end up with this bottle? You had a friend that brought this, was, didn't you? Was that the one where you said I was on vacation and you said, you need to yes. drive up to Tennessee and get this. And I would just texted my buddy and he had already had a case of it ordered. So that's yeah, right. That's how this came about. And then Dan, how did you come? How did you come across the, the rye version of this? So the original company, I think, is the one you were talking about, the Blue Label company, right? His initial offering. Yep. yep. Um, so I was up here, and you guys let me try that. And then I was listening to a podcast coming into town, and Jeff was being interviewed and talking about the Seismic Rye and the Tennessee Three Wood. And I would remembered seeing um, Rob post something about having a bottle of that Tennessee Three Wood. And so kind of on a whim, I just checked online and was able to, to get that bottle of Seismic Rye and Figured it'd be a fun to do a little side by side with those and some other ryes made by Mr. Arnett. Well, I'm I'm getting a little concerned here because Rob is becoming a rye fan all of a sudden. So I don't know. Uh, 
I don't know what has changed in you recently with this. I don't think that's true, and I think I've been clear. I think <laughs> He's I've, just a little right curious. <laughs> I, I, I have liked all of the rye stuff that has come out from Jack, and I think a lot of that is based on the mellowing process that they go through. It mm-hmm. takes a lot of, to me, it takes that bite, that super spicy, peppery stuff out of it. I have dabbled, <laughs> flirted, if you will, with other ryes, but I have not. I have not found a bunch of rye product that has so, been, has been like, oh my god, if I see this, I have to buy it. So you're not full throated endorsing the rye as of yet, correct? Is that is that no, a I'll radio that there. That's radio fine. term that you wanted me to step um, into? Or well, Dan, what about you then? When it comes to rye, I think you're generally kind of a fan, aren't you? Yeah, typically I I. Like rye, I like bourbon, I like American whiskey. Um, I, my name is Dan. I might be an alcoholic. I don't know. Um, yeah, I've been a fan of rye for quite some time. Um, various brands. Um, there's just it's that the nuance of some of them are kind of have a little bit of dill flavor. Some of them are grassy, earthy. Some of them are kind of more of a spearmint. And, and I like that diversity um, from that grain, how it can present different based on how it's uh, produced by the different distri- distilleries. Okay. Uh, well, we're going to compare both of these here just a little bit later on in the podcast. I got some questions I want to ask Dan about, though, since we got him in here. Um, so what we are drinking is the Seismic Rye Single Barrel, which is straight rye whiskey finished with cherry wood. Um, do you specifically understand the the cherry wood is that from the is that from the cherry tree is that is that is that what i'm what i'm guessing that that's what that's from yes okay where else would you get it well i don't know i don't know what i don't know because i don't know a lot about wood play that song at the rally for clint no we're not going to do that one anymore can we we have an outro from from no we're not um was it kt tunstall kt tunstall is his favorite for, for song. clint we'll, we'll cut we'll all of that, that out of here and just send it to, to clint uh, <laughs> and then of course we're drinking the twice barreled special reserve uh from jack daniels which we did a couple podcasts a ago. bigger hit on that last night than i thought yeah you did that bottle's uh that bottle's pretty gone there rob oh, um so depressing actually we'll talk and compare that coming up but i came across there was a question and rob and i you and i were talking about this a little bit yesterday but i thought it'd be fun to ask dan this too um, when it comes to like values in bourbon, right? Uh, Rob and I kind of, I think, got to talking semantically about the word value when it comes to what's out there. So you kind of explained it best when 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 you were talking about like uh, like an eagle rare, right? Yeah, my I struggle with these questions that get posed on all these forums and on, on these articles about the best value bourbon and. The, th- the analogy I used with you was, I like Eagle Rare, right? And at 40 bucks to me, that's a steal. Yep. And so it's a great, to me, that's, to me personally, a $40 bottle of Eagle Rare is a great value. And in my head, it's a, it, it, it's a great bourbon if I would be willing to pay more for it. Okay. You know what I mean? So yes. I might be willing to pay 50 or 60 bucks for a bottle of Eagle Rare, Whereas Blanton's is, you know, it's kind of the, that one's the one that gets made fun of in a lot of these places, but that doesn't mean that it's not a good bourbon. And if you can find Blanton's at its $60-ish price point, I think that's a decent value, but I'm not paying much more for it than that just because it's not personally one of the ones that I would gravitate towards. Does that make sense? Sure. 
Yep. Well, as a then as somebody who who, who sells this stuff, Dan, does does that mean something different to you? Um, uh, you know, for for a best for for a valued bourbon. I mean, personally, what does it mean to you uh, when 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 you consider what a best value bourbon would be? Yeah, I think I'd be along the same line as as Rob as far as you know things like Eagle Rare. Th- for me, things like Russell Ten Year. Um, you know, great price point around that thirty forty dollar range. Um, if you can find them at that, it's it's worth it all day. Um, when you get into some of those, like the Blantons that are a little bit more heavily sought after and, you know, to find them at MSRP outside of Timmins Market is <laughs> sometimes right. a challenge. Sure. Um, you know, I was out in, uh, I was down in Texas a couple of weeks ago and I didn't see hardly anything down there from that perspective um, as far as rare allocated even. Um, and in talking to a few owners down there, uh, it's kind of been dry th- since the distributor transition, even for them. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that finding a bottle that, again, you don't mind paying $30, $40 for, and you'll go back to that one constantly. Um, that's what I kind of look for in value bourbons. Um, Cooper's Crafts, another one. And um, as far as like in the store, for me, it's we want to keep a blend of those value everyday drinkers, if you will, um, and not just have all high-end allocated $100 bottles. Uh, you know, you just chase too many people away from that at that perspective. Well, you got people that show up and clear off the top shelf, and then <laughs> then it's empty. Right. You know, Shaniqua comes out and just brings up a shopping cart. <laughs> That's another good question, though. How do, you, how do you know, how do you guess or pick what those higher-end bottles are going to be that you think people will spend money on? I mean, what what what's how do you do that? Uh, so so for me, I I spend a lot of time, I guess, learning about the industry. I listen to I have a forty minute commute when I drive, yeah. and so I listen to a lot of different podcasts. Um, I have a couple of different email lists that I'm part of. That when there's a new um, product line launched or whatever, I'll get an email with a little the press release on it. Um, you know, in, I have a, a bourbon-inspired Instagram page. It's my personal page, aside from the store. Uh, and a lot of the pages that I follow on that are, you know, Breaking Bourbon and mm-hmm. um, different things like that where you kind of get some of the advance notice from people that really have a lot of time on their hands to, to spend in even searching TTB label approval. And they'll launch, you know, they'll they'll send it out or post a picture of the, the approved label before products even in in production. Well, and you kind of have to know the area that you live too, right? I mean, you can you can see all this stuff on forums and and social media and things that you follow that may be big in certain areas, but out here, is that is that kind of a gut instinct for you in some instances too, or or do you think no because this is nationally what people are talking about and getting? Then there's a pretty good chance I'll be able to sell that here. Yeah. See, at first it was a little bit of a trial, but trial and error, right? It was we'll bring a few in, and and you know there were times where we'd make good choices in what we brought in and there were times where stuff would sit on the shelf and it was just a little bit of a dog and we'd have to mark it down to get rid of it and you know i think if if you're not willing to take a risk on some of those brands and and even get out ahead of it for i mean in south dakota we're always behind the line on trends um whether it's in distribution or just people picking up on it Um, and so we've over the last five years that's been part of what we've done to try to move the bourbon culture forward in in western south dakota is to try to be ahead of some of mm-hmm. those and even if it means we sit on some inventory for a period of time 
uh, you know, hopefully we can get it out in front of enough people to, to where they'll want to come in and purchase a bottle at some point. Can you, can you think of, uh, maybe maybe kind of an infamous flop that you've brought out that you thought this might be the thing but it just didn't work do you have anything like that on the top or or the, or vice versa one that maybe you didn't think was going to be such a big deal and kind of ended up out here being a bigger deal geez off the top of my head i can't really think of um anything that we brought in that you know at some point in time didn't gain traction yeah. um Short of, uh, you know, for me, unfortunately, the the proof artists and distillers, I liked a lot of their product. Most of their product line I thought was really good. And, and maybe this is the, the downfall of it for where it came from. Like, you don't think of North Dakota as like the creme <laughs> right. de la creme of spirits producing. No, you just, you just think of North Dakota as the creme de la creme of, you know, radio announcers, really, I believe. I don't think anybody really thinks that. People, oh, they don't? Okay. Mark does. I, but I'm, you know, well, yeah, but he'd be wrong. He does that a lot. Um the the proof artists and stuff I I fell in love with and I, it wasn't it wasn't I didn't I never did think about it as well this is a pretty good bourbon for North Dakota I just thought when we tried it and got on their radar and they got on ours we both really enjoyed it from the from the crooked furrow to the to even their single malt the, the single the, malt the yeah, Glen Fargo, the Glen Fargo. Glen Fargo. Mm-hmm. I mean and then they started doing the different stuff with the motorhead and the aging in the the gin barrels and, yeah. and doing that i i really enjoyed it now i was just thinking about that in your store does that does that have to be marketed just a little bit different and say you know north dakota bourbon or or it's bringing attention to the fact that it is for lack of a better word 600 miles away but local you yeah. know what i mean yeah, we tried because we had a, a fairly decent section of like the Colorado stuff with Tin Cup and um, Old Elk. And so we had some like a, a section that was kind of dedicated to what I'd call regional whiskeys. Sure. And we had it right in there with it, probably in a spot that it nece- hadn't necessarily earned a right to be in that spot of the, the set. Um, it was probably a little more front and center than what I would normally put uh, kind of an unknown brand. Um, but I, I put it there because I was hoping that knowing that Old Elk was doing well and knowing that some of these other, you know, somewhat regional brands were doing well, I was hoping that it would gain more visibility and traction. And for whatever reason, it just never really took off for us. Mm, That is really surprising. And it's too bad because like Rob and I have said, it's, you know, that four-year crooked furrow was one of the biggest surprises when we kind of first started doing this and we came across that. It's like, wow, you know, it's they really figured this well, out and knew how to make a good bourbon up there. Right? And the and the motorhead, I think, just took that up to a whole a, exactly. another, another notch. You know, mm-hmm. I mean it was a it was a heavier, more flavorful mouthfeel and fuller and I mean I I mean I'm this I didn't mean this to turn into a a proof artisan commercial <laughs> here based well, on Well, but, we but it makes sense but, with what he was saying. Yeah, but that's but that's the intriguing part of it mm-hmm. is that, you know, you'd think that I mean, I th- they had great reception down here. I think most of the stores took some when they were yep. down here. They were at Whiskey Fest, mm-hmm. and, and they interviewed here, and the guys are great. Yep. And the bourbon is great. I mean, yeah, it, I think uh, so. I it's it's a little disheartening to me that to hear that it's not performing as well as right. I think it would. Yep. Well, I think the Glen Fargo was a big award winner here too last year. I think at one of the big spirit competitions too. Maybe the San Francisco one, possibly. I think I might have taken something. Could have. I don't I, know. I don't follow the awards as much as you. Why not? 
It's fun. Because I, I don't care. I don't do reality and, television. I just follow whiskey awards. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I don't, you know, it's all subjective to me. Well, of course it is. I mean, it's, don't it, go out hard. and buy a bottle of Crooked Furrow because I tell you to. I mean, go try it and see if you like Rob, it yourself. Rob, you're an influencer. I, uh, you just tell them to go out and do it. Okay? I've, I've been told that. I don't really <laughs> care for that title. So are there any, are there whiskeys, Dan, that, uh, is there anything on, on your radar or on the horizon that you are excited about or anything that's happening with whiskey and bourbon that you are finding intriguing? It And, and, and the reason, I'm asking this question before I, I want to ask the next um and it'll kind of all tie together here but do you but do you do you think is there stuff you're excited about that's coming out or trends that you're seeing that you like um yeah i mean i i've been a big fan of i mean this this jack daniels heritage barrel is is one of the expressions and i guess styles of whiskey that i've been a big fan of over the last couple of years is the the twice barrel philosophy of you know aging it in new oak but then doing it in their heritage barrels and the lightly toasted barrel um the Tennessee whiskey that came out, I think 2019, um, the, the first heritage mm-hmm. barrel release. Um, if I could turn back the, the hands of time and snag a few extra bottles of that, I sure would. Cause I, uh, I was at the barrel house over in Sioux Falls a couple of weeks ago and they still had a bottle and I had another pour just to see if it was just some like treasured memory from an experience. <laughs> and no, I mean, it, it was a solid, it was the first really, time. really, really good. Well, and, uh, Clint, is, when I was over there doing something at his place, he gave me a handful of bottles, and that was one of them. And I don't think he knew what the hell he was giving away. And it was my—I couldn't believe how good it was. I'm yeah. assuming you finished it. No, it's a—it's at home. You could bring that. We bought all these. I'm just we'll, saying, we'll clean, maybe clean for next, maybe for next time, you could just bring that down. Because now I've heard Dan mention this before about that specific bottle. Yeah, it's really good. It's and really I, okay. good. All right. Just throwing that out I, there. I, I just, <clears throat> I didn't even know it was a thing. And then he handed me this bottle and I got it home and I'm like, well, I should try this. And was this one of the first versions of this? It, I think it was the first. The first of their yeah, special the, releases? Yeah, the, I don't, I think they had done a couple of annual releases prior, but they were never to the scale that that heritage, at least in my recollection. And I've looked back a little bit and. I think the Heritages was the first one that people really sit, like took notice and said, wow, Jack Daniels is putting out some amazing top-end product. Because obviously, Jack, old, old number seven is, you know, synonymous across the mm-hmm. world with whiskey. Um, and it's a great product, but it had never reached that notoriety of, like, top shelf, sought after. I mean, obviously, it's on every shelf in every store in every nation of the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so that Heritage bottle, when it came out, I think people really took notice that Jack Daniels was able to make some really, really special whiskey. I think it's interesting that though they put that in because the the bottle that these twice barrels are in are the same bottle as the single barrel, correct? These are I, single barrel bottles. Same shape. Same shape. But but 700 milliliters instead of 750. Yeah, but they're, they're a little different. I kind of wish they would have made a different shape to differentiate it just a little bit more. Because if some people have a bad experience with a single barrel bottle, which... That's subjective too. A single barrel is going to taste different from barrel to barrel, and you're not going to get the exact same thing. To me, I look at it and think, well, God, that one time I didn't really like it. Maybe I'll pass on this if I ever see it on the shelf. The I wonder la- how much the that labels, plays. The labels are vastly different. Sure, but again, when you're just glancing at the shelf and you just see the shape, I think hey that man, triggers more than the label, right? You go, guys, go ahead and pass on that. 
heritage barrel. I don't yep. care. I'll be right behind you. Yep, they're probably terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do it if I were you. I'll give you my number. Just call me yeah. so I can dispose yeah, so of it So you can make sure you right. get rid of it. Right. right. Yeah. If you see, me, see right one, people. just call and we'll make sure that it's disposed of. Okay. So uh, we were talking to the other day um, about, well, one of the last podcasts we were talking about when when we were uh, discussing people that still get out there to chase these bottles of bourbon right oh, uh, the ones that get out early in the morning enter all the, the the drawings and try to find the the unicorns that they're looking for okay and you know you're ending up paying these secondary prices on this stuff and you and I have talked a handful of times about how it's it's frustrating because you don't get Eagle Rare for $40. Although I saw somebody that just posted on Dakota Whiskey Territory, to, was it a high V in Sioux Falls? Showed the, the Eagle Rare 10 with the price tag, and it was $41 or whatever. They had it at, the, at, the, at that MSRP, which that's so hard to find. Um, and so you and I I'm were talking gonna about... I'm just going to go out to Timmins when Dan's not there, go into the office and just grab a couple bottles. I, I I wouldn't recommend that though. I would that that, that could that could, that could land you in, in some trouble. Yeah, I probably I, there's wouldn't. no eagle rare up there. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be getting the phone call again. I guess, but yeah, I still would get the text. I'd get for the flavored yeah. eagle rare that was coming out. Hopefully, we're uh, smarter than eagle that. rare peach. <laughs> oh god, god. <laughs> that just I I physically tasted that for a split second right there. Just, just don't call him banana. And it wasn't good. Oh, banana, I'll buy all day. So. People keep chasing these things. They're 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 getting harder to, to to get. I know Buffalo Trace has upped its production on its stuff. Supposedly, they've added a bunch of of of, of new new you know equipment, new ways to distill I mean, the whole thing, right? Well, yeah, um, we're still years away from seeing exactly. So, do you think, Dan, that we're hitting a the 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 the, the bubbles about to to blow up on bourbon? Do you think it's going to be? Do you think we've kind of not not just in this area because we still are a good six seven eight years behind? But just nationally, are we, because you can't find what you want, hardly, right? And everybody gets frustrated. And at some point, you're just going to turn people away because you're like, well, I can't find it. I don't care anymore. I'm just going to buy old number seven and be happy. Yeah, I, I think there's that there, nothing wrong with that. By I way. know. I, I think that there might be, you know, some of that. Uh, but, I mean, if you look at, at what the industry has done as far as investing in the future of the spirit, I, I don't see it ending anytime soon. I mean... Um, you know, the last I was down in um, Louisville and along the Bourbon Trail in, I guess, October of 22 would have been the last time. Okay. Um, and, you know, Bardstown Bourbon Company down there, who's become one of the uh, bigger um, providers of sourced bourbon, along with MGP or Ross and Squibb, um, they had three or four warehouses somewhere in varying stages of being built that were all holding, you know, 25 to 35,000 barrels. Wow. Um, You know, Jack Daniels has expanded Buffalo Trace. Like you said, they just put a new still in that's going to produce an insane amount of spirit every day. Uh, And so that type of investment wouldn't take place if somebody hadn't had, you know, some level of crystal ball into the future for yeah. what's going on. Uh, they've got, maybe not. They've certainly got confidence in Correct. it then if they're expanding at this yep. point. And still. then I, I think the other big part is that the international market continues to grow interest in bourbon. Uh, and so, you know, it was bourbon was popular in certain areas, but it's blown up worldwide to where there's a lot more international um, export of the spirit that 
is going to continue to impact availability in the U.S. And so I think it will drive away some of those, um, you know, people that are just looking for the unicorns, whether it's right. for a quick flip or a ability to have that trophy on their shelf. Um, but at the end of the day, I think for those that truly enjoy what bourbon has to offer, um, if you're just patient, I think that there will become a time where those bottles are a little bit easier to find because the demand goes down, which means the secondary value goes down and they'll just be readily available again. Well, and my take on this whole thing is I've, I've kind of given up on chasing a lot of that stuff too. You know, it was fun for a minute, but then when, when I was, even when I was in Minnesota here uh, a month or so ago, uh, I was, it was interesting to find almost every liquor store I went to, I could find Henry McKenna tenure. Almost every liquor store had six bottles of it. Probably still didn't get it. <laughs> I did. Well, I did. I did buy was, two. It wasn't flavored, so no, right. And unlike, and no, unlike he, Rob, he, he brought some bottles. Unlike home. Rob, when I'm on vacation, I will text my friends to see what they need. Right? Um, you assume I that I uh, go on vacation and usually... just go from liquor store to liquor store. It's rare that I do. That's that. what I did. Well, I don't know why. Stop um, doing that. So. <laughs> Uh, I figured I wouldn't. There's no reason to text you. You've you've got it all. I wasn't going to bother Dan with anything. Um, but I I came to the realization on the way back after buying these bottles and just thinking about it for a minute. To me, any more store picks are the way I think I might want to start leaning. You and it's partly your fault. I think I'll accept that because you have been making just some killer store picks with whiskeys. I didn't know were existed Paragon and Southern star. And, uh, you did one other, Yellowstone. Uh, well, the yellows, I kind of knew of Yellowstone, but not to, to that degree. New riff. Well, I'm, I'm going to take a little, I brought, I brought you the first bottle of new riff back. So yeah, but I, just... I but I picked a store pick. So it's oh, really I still good. want to go story. I see. I would, anytime I cannot talk about that, damn it! <laughs> I know that's um, that's why I talk about it because I know you won't. <laughs> but I I I think more people should look to that over trying to find a lot of these unicorns because if if you kind of get to know these people in the store specifically that are making the picks and 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 kind of know what their profile is. Man, you're going to get some solid stuff, right? And I think even with people that you're not familiar with, I picked up a bottle that I brought back from from uh, from Wisconsin that was a weeded bourbon that was a store pick from this obscure place, and I love it. Yep. And I thought maybe that that's the next thing to look for. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I mean, obviously you feel great because you do this, right? Yeah, we've we've had really good luck finding some some great barrels and. Um actually get to head down to Buffalo Trace and pick a barrel of Buffalo Trace here first part of November, which I'm pretty excited oh, nice. about. Yeah. Never, we've only done a handful of on-site and, um, you know, as much as I enjoyed our experience at like Lux Row, it's, you know, we went into a conference room and they had samples. It wasn't a lot different than doing it at the Windsor office. or in your office. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but like with Buffalo Trace, we go do a tour and then, you know, they'll, they have a special tasting room. I, I don't even know what to expect, but will be there from one o'clock till five. So I imagine it's going to not suck. By three thirty, it's going to feel pretty good. I'm well, we start the taste. We start the barrel pick at three thirty. So okay, yeah. so four o'clock. It'll be four four fifteen. It should be uh, well. That's dandy. That's super exciting. So you'll have Buffalo Trace store picks then coming. Like, what's the turnaround on something like that? Then you're not no sure. No idea. Okay. Hope hope we can get more of an answer then. I would yeah. like to see it before Christmas, but that's you know 
seven seven ish weeks. I don't know what their yeah. turnaround time is on it right now. That would be that'd be fast. But you are big in your travels when you go out to stores and you're traveling around the area. You will seek out store picks, won't you? Yeah, yeah. I in I haven't traveled a ton, but this summer between baseball and then I I went down and um, spent some time with Ryan in Texas a few weeks ago and. I think out of all the bottles that I bought over the course of the summer, there's only one that wasn't a store pick and probably seven that were. Wow. Okay. Did you Have you tried all of them? Uh, no, I have a couple that I haven't opened yet. I got a Fourgate from a, a store down in Texas that um, Fourgate is a pretty highly regarded brand. That, were they all Texas-based whiskeys or no? No, none no? of them were. Oh, nope. really? Okay. Nope. The Fourgate um, is a collaboration with Kelvin Cooperage, uh, and uh, it was one that I've seen a lot of traffic on the different um, bourbon groups that I follow, uh, and so I picked that one up, and then I got a Traverse City Rye um, out of Traverse City, Michigan that they picked, yeah. uh, and then a Penelope Architect store pick from that store down there, too. So, Well, that's about loud. That was one I brought back for you, wasn't it? Was the Architect was there? The architect, I believe the head, yeah. yeah. Why, uh, why do, don't we? Oh, go ahead. Do you normally get to try them, or do you want to try them in the store before you buy them? Or how? so the, I mean, that, that's my yeah, fear more yeah, than anything uh, is that yeah, most of the time, if if I go to a store and I'm unfamiliar with either the brand that I'm looking at um, or not familiar with the store at all, I'll ask if they have a sample before I'll buy um, a pick. Um, but in this case, um, one of the guys that's picked two barrels with us he'll be picking at buffalo trace with us as well he lives in austin um and he is on the pick team for that store it's called oak liquor cabinet down there in austin and so knowing his palate i i just trusted the picks um and so i felt really good about those uh and then you know anything from penelope um, i'm a big fan of the yellowstone picks i'll more than likely just grab those if i see them the Penelope is kind of a uh, a newer bourbon, isn't it? Uh, it seems like it wasn't any, on anybody's radar up until maybe a year ago. Yeah. So, so Penelope is another one of those brands where I, I heard about it on, uh, it's a podcast called Dad's Drinking Bourbon, and they were talking to the gentleman um, that's founded Penelope. It's named after his daughter, and, and they were talking to him early on, and, and that company has done so amazingly well. They source all of their barrels from MGP. And they've done so well developing Penelope as a brand that MGP bought them. Wow. <laughs> no kidding. For a lot of doll hairs. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say. Huh, that's really cool. I Penelope still... got a new set of shoes. <laughs> yes, she did. Um... And a house and a car. And a boat <laughs> and a... Yeah. She doesn't have to worry about college, oh, any of that stuff. Right. That's amazing. Um, Paying for it or going, probably. Right. Yeah. So... I guess that would leave the, you know, the kind of final obvious question of this is the, the, the challenges that you see for bourbon or, or maybe just, I don't know, whiskey in general coming up. Do you do you see any hurdles? You know, you talked about how you don't think this bubble is really going to burst, um, especially with the international uh, levels that the bourbon is going to now. But what's what what challenges do, do you foresee? Maybe just as a as a grocery store, liquor store owner. Right. Or or as the as the, you know, the product as a whole. Uh, to me, I think the biggest challenge that I see is I, I guess it's kind of twofold. One is the trends like the, the 
barrel finishing and the the different expressions. Amberana is a big buzzword in the community now. It's a it's a type of wood that may or may not be sustainably harvested from certain mm-hmm. regions, and so there's a lot of talk about that. And then you know it's that's a a, a finishing process that everything that I've heard people either love it or absolutely hate it. There's not a lot of middle ground, but uh, Penelope did it with Rio. They have some Amberon in there. And then there were several other smaller ones that did it. And then everybody was trying to source it and, and do an Amberon a finish. And so to me, it becomes the shelf becomes really noisy when there are too many people that try to play in those specialty bottles. And then, uh, I mean, in the last five years, we've expanded our, our bourbon American whiskey footprint four or five times and continue to try to, to figure out how to best shuffle and keep the best brands in the set and then as new product lines become available, it's like, okay, what do I have to cut to try to make room for this new thing? Because I've, I've heard enough about it that I know it's going to be successful. Um, at some point in time here in the future, between now and sometime <laughs> down the road. Um, the future, yes. <laughs> Penelope is, is going to hit South Dakota. I'm going to bring it in, but where am I going to set it in yeah. if they bring in the Penelope architect, the four grain, the, the toasted, like they, they have several extensions of their brand. How do I fit it in? What bottles go away? Uh, and so I think that's one of the challenges is, you know, what stays, what goes, um, which trends should we try to chase? Which should we not try to right. chase? Um, and, you know, sometimes it comes down to personal preference, but I can't just have on the shelf what I like because yeah. there are obviously various palettes out there. And so that's where we have to try to get really good at, at carrying a good mix um, versus just everything that we like. Yeah, that, I mean, that's got to be fun, but exhausting too, right? To constantly try to stay ahead of that, especially since out here now it really is becoming a much you know bigger deal and people are paying more attention and it's harder to get you know, even even some of the stuff that didn't used to be that hard all of a sudden is. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to, I mean, this is probably the most important question I'm about to ask. Uh, when it comes to uh, your, your, when it comes to your flavored whiskeys, um, oh. how uh, how do you determine that the candy corn whiskey is going to be a big hit, Dan? Do you just call me? Like, I know I'm going to sell one of them. So. <laughs> Should I tell him I only ordered one bottle? My God, I, I would love it if that were Where true. Where did that even come from? Where did How did, how did, how did those appear on your radar? Uh, I mean, they're novelty whiskeys, yeah, obviously. They, but So Dylan was at a sales meeting, and they were talking through some new stuff coming into the fall season. And obviously, candy corn has a very limited window of acceptability in the market and now is about the only 30 day period of time where people remember that candy corn exists. <laughs> right. So why not? Well, I can't imagine I've been the only one that's bought a bottle though. Right. Right. God, please tell me, right. I, you know, I forgot to check it today. I'll have to see how we often haven't they've cracked it yet. Dusted it since I, we uh, brought it yeah. in. I'm so excited I, to make I, Rob try it. So like at home we have this time of year, we have, candy corn that we never have any other and, yeah. the, and then a, and peanuts all mixed in a jar mm-hmm. when are you gonna yammer about the peanut butter whiskey and the candy corn mixed together oh, tasting like a salt of a... Roll? <gasps> i've got to do that oh, i think i just saw his head explode uh, yeah well, oh my god that's we perfect be rob so fucking lucky <laughs> we'll get some screwball and some candy corn whiskey and we'll make salted nut rolls 
Bam. Go ahead, Dan. You can use that for whatever you need. That's a freebie on us. That's that's more of a Tucker thing, Hill. (laughs) Mark will have to take that in. Oh, I bet you he would make us one of those. Rob, we're going to be rich. You know, you know how rich we? we got. We know how rich we got off our peanut butter and jelly shots from the loud. Remember that? Remember all the checks kept rolling in. Those on might one? still be running on the screen down there. I wonder <laughs> if they've sold more than four of them. <laughs> I don't know. You probably <laughs> bought them all at brunch one they day. They were great. It was it was screwball whiskey. It was grape juice, and then you followed it with a shot of grain belt. So you got the peanut butter jelly and the the bread grain flavor in there. It was it was a great idea. And now this one. My mouth a little yeah. bit. <laughs> He's oh, really God. overselling how good it was. Uh, well, what we've been drinking this whole time are two specific ryes. Uh, we've we've talked, of course, about the twice barreled special reserve from Jack Daniels, and in, and it didn't dawn on me till we just about started podcasting that that Jack Daniels bottle that we're drinking probably still fell under the watch of Jeff Arnett when it was first put into the barrels. Oh, yeah, undoubtedly started right. there. 2015, I believe. So he was still the master distiller, Jack Daniels. Yeah. When did he leave? Uh, that was, was 19, wasn't it? No, it would have been because we picked our two Jack Daniels barrel proof single barrels from with him in June of 2021. Or oh, 2020. wow. Okay. There so we go. June yeah. of 2020. So I think September or October is when he announced. Yeah. Because so, yeah, he was out here for the one last rally. Yeah. Yep, it was just was shortly it. after our pick that he announced Started, he was Yeah, leaving. it was the beginning of COVID, and it was a thing. Yeah, that's was, right. Uh, so the other barrel, then, that's that sitting word. next to it is uh, from Jeff Arnett's new company, Company, which is called Company. It's just the name. The name, love you, Jeff, but dang it. It's just hard <laughs> when you're trying to talk about it. It's called Seismic Rise Single Barrel. Well, as long as you know it's company distilling and not the company. Right, because don't it's say based the. Because based on company, the company coming over to share whiskey with you. Okay, I just, I, let's not well, get into the semantics he, of that whole thing. Once sure. he described the process and the thoughts behind it. I, it makes sense. I agree. That's I'm fine with him. Good. Give him Jeff a hard time. So we've been sipping on both of these right now. And uh, what I, what's most noticeable about both of them, as soon as you pour it into your glass, you are going to see a vast color difference between the two of them. And I think that has to do with the the, the twice-barreled Jack that they do, correct? Um, going five years in their new American oak and then three years into the, uh, the, heritage barrels. the new heritage <laughs> barrels. Make it just a dark, beautiful <laughs> amber color. The Seismic Rye Single Barrel. Amber, shit, it's damn well, near as black as that desk. It's pretty close. It's Seismic dark. Rye would be more would be more amber colored for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys when you when you well we, we we like I said we talked about this but when you're sipping on the the Jack Daniels Twice Barrel Dan, what are you getting from it? I mean, what what really pops for you when you're drinking this? I, I think it's probably one of the most well balanced ryes I've ever tasted. Wow. Um, the the toasted barrel from that heritage barrel uh, provides that um, just soft and subtle oak influence that I, I love in in toasted products. Um, Would you consider this a toasted product? So, so their heritage barrel is a lightly toasted barrel. That's the whole. Oh, and that's the, the that's what toasted of, means of on those barrels. Yep. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Never thought it of that. So pretty. <laughs> well, because. Remember, we learned about that, Rob, when we talked about these 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 whiskeys yeah. that were called toasted. Yes, it's, I remember. Most people would think, oh, that barrel must be really burnt all the way through, but it's quite the opposite. How, how do you like your toast? It's it's just it's just a, a light char on the inside of it, which gives it's it that slowly flavor. warmed and not right. Yes, not dragon fired. Right. Correct. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> what do you what do you taste on this then, Dan? 
So I've only had one small pour of that oh, okay. um, prior wow. to this, and I just started sipping on it. Um, we have more. <laughs> I might uh, have one, too. Not, two. <laughs> not much more. I, um, again, like, I'm not, out of the three of us sitting here, Rye is, is probably my least favorite type, but you can't argue with this, even if you're not a rye drinker. This is an extremely smooth sip, right? I mean, there's even even I put a, just a just a splash of water in it, but even without that, it's still it, to amazing. Me, this is smooth. It's flavorful. It doesn't have that bite that a lot of ryes have for me. That spiciness is there, but it's not. Yeah, but it doesn't beat you over the yeah. head with cracked pepper. You know, right? It's it's. I, I, I again think a lot of it has to do with their Lincoln County process and their mellowing that they that it takes that harsh out of it. Okay, now do you can either of you taste? This might be a really hard question to answer, but can you taste a connection between these two? From what you know, Jeff had a hand in to creating the one now from his own company. I I didn't notice a big as as much as between like the first company um maple finish mm-hmm. versus the Jack 27 there to me those were pretty directly correlated. I don't notice as much between these two, but I'm not sure that it's fair. You know, that being the twice barrel, this might be more akin to being um associated more with the bonded rye that just came out or even their original rye product. Now, Do you think it tastes more like that? I I, I, I don't think... I, I have not tried the bonded rye. I've got okay. a bottle at home. I haven't opened it yet. Well what do you think of the seismic rye then from company Dan? I, I like it. It's um it says on the back of that bottle produced and bottled by the company. So that would tell me that 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 the rye in there is sourced from somewhere. Right. And obviously um, yeah, company still, hasn't yeah. been on its feet long enough to have its mm-hmm. own product laying down in barrels to be ready to release. And so I think that's where there's going to be a pretty vast difference because my guess is he wasn't sourcing it from Jack Daniels. Right. Where? I don't know. Um, I, th- I, th- I tried to just on a quick look, see if I could find where it was sourced from, and I'm not seeing, and it doesn't say, you know, distilled in Indiana or anything like yeah. that. I, th- so. I think most of I, he said and when we talked to him when the com- when company first came out and we got him on the phone he said he was getting his product from Ohio i don't know what that means i haven't gone i haven't gone down that rabbit hole to see who's producing well you mentioned like three you mentioned Ohio. bardstown mgp and you mentioned another one for sourced um when you were talking about it what a name i'd never heard of before for sourced whiskey I mean, if you think about it, great. Um, but it, that that you know, I, Bardstown I knew was becoming a big player, and MGP obviously. It was and then, the and biggest, then, yeah. yeah. You mentioned a third. Yeah, but, yeah I don't remember what, what you said it. I don't, and I didn't. Recall, I, think, I didn't recognize the name either. Uh, oh, I said Ross and Squibb. Ross and Squibb. Yeah, so that's MGP. They just. Oh, that's I their see. New Got it. Monitor. All right. Got it. Okay. Um, well, yeah, it's they're they're both again that that Jack um, from all of the rise I've ever had. If I had to pick a favorite, it was always the Redwood Empire. Their rye to me was was one I, I got comfortable with and I could drink and I didn't mind. And now this Jack comes along and, wow, blows it out of the water. The Seismic Rye Single Barrel from Company, it's also solid. I think if you 
could find a bottle of it, you'd be silly not to grab it for sure. I I agree. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I, I'm like I said, I'm a big fan of just damn near everything Jack Daniels mm-hmm. is putting out. But I, you know, Arnett knows what he's doing. I mean, it's hard to argue that he's putting out a bad product. This rye is. You know, lovely, according to Patrick, right? Is that <laughs> how, right? That was him, right? How, why Why does it take so long for us to get this up here? Why can't we start getting this now that it's becoming, because I know the closest now it's in Colorado. Why Why can't we get this stuff here? Why does it take so long? I guess is my whiny question. Well, the he, fact he doesn't that have the Denver has more, yeah, the, the fact that Denver people. has more residents sure. in South Dakota, you know, I mean, that that's always going to be, kind of our Achilles heel of getting newer, smaller brands up into the Dakotas is we just don't have the population draw to, I guess, entice some of these smaller companies. If if they're going to go and try to make a splash in a market, they're going to do it in states that are much more populated than South Dakota. Um, And then the second side of that is they only have so much whiskey available to distribute right so they're going to distribute where it's going to make the greatest impact and i suppose and if it becomes popular obviously then it just works yep. its way up here um have you had the, did you have the uh the whiskey from india did you have the paul john have I, you tried that yeah, yet i tried two of them they brought out the Nirvana. the brilliance and the they only had oh. two samples available the day that they brought them out to the store they had the the nirvana is like their entry level one yep, from they what had i understand the nirvana and then they had bold the edited Oh, okay. So you had the you had the two that Rob and I liked the least. Yeah, I I actually listened to that podcast the day before they brought it out, so that when they set them on the shelf, I was you're like, like, ah, wah, 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 wah. Are you gonna? Do you have some? Are you getting some? Yeah, I, I brought both of them in. Okay, um, and then as more product becomes available, we'll bring the other two in, um, and I'll probably head down to the Windsor Block at some point in time to try those. Because what did you think of the those two initially? Um, I made a really terrible joke when I tried the nirvana i just nosed it and i must have been in the wrong audience because it's like it really smells like teen spirit <laughs> <laughs> but um bum see there i knew radio guys who get yes, a kick totally. out of that that was a good one liquor guys were like what <laughs> that was a good joke dan well I, done yeah, I thought well so. done all right uh well thanks for bringing up this bottle dan uh this you know it's i, I like to to try all of these new things when we when we do these on the, the podcast my only the only regrets I have is that we can't tell people, yes, you can try it, too. Right. That's the hardest thing about a lot of this. The Jack. Yeah. If you can find somebody that's got it. Absolutely. The 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 stuff from company so far, you can't get here. If you find yourself in Colorado, they'll go to I think Total Wine is selling a lot of these. Yeah, I mean, the nice part is for like for that bottle, I ordered it from seal box. Oh, sure. And it, it shipped right to my mm-hmm. my house. So. Um, somehow there's some sort of loophole that some of these companies are are able to figure out how to get it here. And yep. I don't ask questions. I just no, that's Rob and I have had that same experience. Co- yep. Some companies will ship it. Some friends won't. <laughs> that's a direct shot that I'll let Rob deal with after the podcast yeah, is done. Thanks, Drew. Appreciate uh, it. Anyway, yeah, but, you know, like Rob and I have always said, too, if, if any of you listening want to try some of this that we have here, just message us, right? And then, you know, if we've got it at our home, we'll bring it up and we'll absolutely share it with you. So uh, I'm not going to have Dan make that promise because Dan has <laughs> way more two full stores of it that I don't think he wants a lot of people clamoring to have free shots. So anyway, with us, you absolutely can because we'll you just can't, you can't have it all, but you can have some. We'll go buy most Try of it, it from Dan again anyway. Right. Well. 
Dan Bruner, Timmins Market, The Valley, Box Elder. Thanks for talking with us again, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks, Dan. Thank you for listening to this episode of Whiskey at Work. I am the producer and host, Mark Houston, along with Rob Henry. Our shows are engineered by Chris Jaquist, and the video and audio editing is done by our own Russ Haddon. If you like what you hear, we would love a five-star review wherever you rate your podcast and leave us a comment as well. It's Whiskey at Work on the Home Slice Audio Network. Mm-hmm.